Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. There's a great gulf between us, the sinner, and Almighty God, the judge. Oh, the the gulf is so great. Who could repair it? God, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. Romans chapter number three, verse number 25. The Bible says, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. That's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to appease the wrath of almighty God. And it renders God ready to do what? Forgive us. Of our sin. That is propitiation. If you broke the law in the Old Testament. You breaking that law would put you in a wrong relationship with God. First John 2 says. And and he that's Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. But also for the sins of the whole world. To get right with God in the Old Testament, what did you have to do? You had to bring a sacrifice. That sacrifice would turn aside the anger, would turn aside the wrath of God. And all of that in the Old Testament, all of that was human-centered. Man brought something before God, and that sacrifice was brought by man. That blood was shed by man. What Christ did on the cross has nothing to do with man being the center. God himself came down in a form of, uh, in a body of flesh. And God provided himself a sacrifice. Has nothing to do with man being the center or man bringing or doing anything to God. In Micah chapter number six, I ask you to turn there. Look at verse number six. Micah chapter 6, verse number 6. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with Ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Lord just speaking to them through the prophet Micah. And Micah, they're not speaking to, to the Lord. They're speaking to the prophet asking these questions. You know why they're speaking to the prophet? Because the prophet is speaking to them through the Lord. And the people know that they have done wrong. The people know that they are guilty. They knew they've sinned. And you know what else they knew? That the earthly sacrifices couldn't do anything for them. Because all that they had was outward worship. They didn't have anything inward. And I'm telling you, if you get a hold of anything this morning, it's this. If all we have 
is outward religion, we have nothing. I'm for living right. I'm for right music. I'm for dressing right. I'm for keeping our bodies clean and not addicted to drugs and alcohol and for all that. But if all you and I have to offer God is our life, our right living, our right dressing, our right music, our right, we are sunk as far as any vile sinner because it's outward religion. Without an inward change, none of it matters. Does God expect some things from you and I as a born-again child of God? He does. The same way a mommy and daddy would expect some things from their children. But none of that merits up to righteousness before God. None of that is somehow a sacrifice that would show God that we're somehow worthy of him dying for us. No, no, no. No, no, no. Christ did it all. He's the propitiation. He is the meeting place. Christ is the bridge that fixes or repairs that great gulf between man, the sinner, and God, the judge. It's only Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We all know that verse. Man. You try to reach up and touch the Godhead. You try to lay, lay claim of the Godhead. All of our good works, all of our good deeds. Go ahead, try to reach up to heaven. Not a one of us can. But the man Christ Jesus can and did. He was the only one. that can, He was sent as the sacrifice. And him and him alone. Can reach his hand up and touch the Godhead. And none of us can. Because he's God. He claimed equality with God. He is God. And he did it all without bringing a reproach or a shame to the throne of almighty God. If we tried to do it, we would mess it up so bad. It'd be an embarrassment. And then we know we get down to verse 14 in John. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Not only was he God, 100%, but he was man, 100%. The work that he accomplished on the cross, he became the propitiation for our sins. The meeting place, the shelter for you and I to hide in. I want to protect my kids. Do you want to protect your kids? I don't want them hurt by sin. Parents, you have rules for your kids. I would hope, I would expect, just like you would expect and hope that I have rules for my kids. We want to protect them against evil, against wickedness, against sin. I want to protect myself against those things. You probably... Want to protect yourself against those things and have accountability things and check. And I want to be protected. But this idea that Christ came down to somehow protect 
me as a sinner against you as a sinner, or you as a sinner against me as a sinner, or Christ came down here to somehow protect us against Satan. No, God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, down here to protect us from God. The wrath of God that would abide and fall down on the sinner who has no shelter to hide in. He didn't come down here to protect you from Satan. He came down here to protect you from God. Sinner. Falling into the hands of an angry God is an awful thing. You've all heard or at least heard of that sermon in yes, from yesteryear. God. Righteously. Justly. 100% holy and without charge could legally drop each and every one of us into the depths of hell. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have every last, everlasting life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, to protect you from the wrath of God that every single lost person out there, the wrath is abiding on them. You witness to a lost person. What are you trying to save me from? God. What do you mean? I mean, the wrath of God is abiding on you. And if you die without him, you will be in for, you will be forever tormented. We don't, and I don't think we can wrap our eyes, our mind, our hearts around the absolute holiness, righteousness of God. And we can sit in church and we can do our devotionals and we can pray and we should do all of that without losing focus and sight of the propitiation <laughs> the appeasing of God's wrath do you understand that his wrath was appeased Christ on the cross he stopped he repaired that bridge so God's wrath doesn't fall on you I don't want any sinner to die without him. Do you? I don't want to just come to church to get fed. I want to come to church to get motivated with the Holy Spirit of God to go out and to protect people from God. What do you mean? The wrath of God is abiding on them and he will plummet them into the depths of hell. He would do that. Yeah, he would do that. Did we read Romans 1? Did we read Romans 2? Did we hear the Sunday school lesson this morning? Man is so far from God, it's not even explainable. Not even explainable. But he became our shelter. He became our hiding place. And if you've trusted in him, he is your advocate. You have an advocate with the Father. Now there's no condemnation in you in Christ. And that is the true love of God. Any of you young ones ever get dad real fired up? I mean, you just took him to the brink of, he's about ready to blow a gasket. 
and the gasket blew. <laughs> or did you ever take mama to the point of insanity where all of a sudden it just comes down like you've never seen it before and you're thinking to yourself, who is this? Who is this woman? What have you done with my mother? <laughs> Who is this man? And what have you done with my father? Have any of you young ones ever thought like that? You think that's bad? You think that's bad? This lost and dying world without Jesus Christ. You think about that times however many numbers you can think of the times if I. That's, that's God. That's God. That's not mean. He loves you. But when his wrath comes out, everybody hide. When mama comes running after you, everybody hide. We used to create hiding places in our house. I remember one time we were in our room. We were just fussing. My mom was out. We knew dad was coming because he had warned us once. He had warned us twice. We'd hear the belt rattle. I think he did it on purpose to get us. My one brother's hiding up. We had bunk beds. So my one was hiding up there under the covers like dad wouldn't see him. And he didn't, because when dad came in, he saw me. <laughs> so dad had me down. My brother decided he'd just jump out of the covers, jump on dad. Bad idea. <laughs> Bad idea. The whole thing went south, and we paid for it. And we prayed all right. We prayed that God would bring mom home. <laughs> I'm telling you, we wanted to be protected from God from, from our dad. <laughs> In this lost and dying world, we need to pray that they're protected from the wrath of God. That's where true protection comes. Hiding in Christ as our shelter. <clears throat> John 19, Pilate says, behold the man. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, for there is one God and one mediator between man and God. That's the man... Christ Jesus. Uh, the other thought I'd like to bring to you this morning is this thought that we're somehow going to get to heaven or this idea of somehow some half-truth gospel that we need to live our life by following the example of Jesus. He set a great example. But his example of a sinless life didn't save us from our sins. His death on the cross and the as the perfect sacrifice paid our sin debt. You don't have uh, this God's plan of salvation, is it? Well, read about how Jesus lived. And if you live like Jesus, God will somehow let you into heaven. No, he won't. That's kind of why he had to come, because none of us would live right. We couldn't, because our life is full of sin. I don't know if you parents do this or if you grandparents do this, but we do this. Separate. Get two kids fussing, just get away from each other. Separate. You don't come near brother, sister, you don't, a brother, you don't come near sister. Get away from each other. There's that bridge. He's sick of dealing with it. Everybody go 
You go along that way, you go along that way. <laughs> All of us have gone long. And the gulf keeps getting bigger and bigger because of our sin. And there's only one thing that can repair a relationship. Holy Spirit of God. There's a time for separation, but there's got to be a time of reconciliation. The purpose should be to restore. You want to separate? You want to get away from each other for a little bit? Okay. But the purpose should be, all right, let's get some time to think. Let's get some time. So you're, you're drawing closer and you're restoring. Well, God's over here. Man's over here. And you've only got one mediator to restore the thing. Because man ain't going to restore himself to God because every time he does, he just gets further and further away. And the gulf gets further and further. Because they can't live their life as a sinless sacrifice <laughs> to God. The mediator, the one man, the mediator, Jesus Christ, the only one that can come in and bridge that gulf and repair that relationship and bring man reconciled into a right relationship with the Lord, with, with God, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can do it. It's impossible to follow in his footsteps. But you look and live that bloody death on the cross. He did that for you. He did that for me. Romans 3.25, it says, whom God hath sent forth. To be a propitiation. Through faith in his life? No. Through faith in his blood. Through faith in his blood. Ephesians 2. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. He bled on Calvary's tree for you. Look at Romans 3.25 a little more closely to declare what? His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Oh, boy. God tolerated you. God tolerated me. How many times in relate? I'm just you know you, you in your relationship with, and, and, and you say, well, I'm just tolerating you. I'm here, but I'm just tolerating you. Because <laughs> the thing's about ready to explode. And the forbearance of God is this: we see his patience, his patience, his long suffering as he's tolerating man. He's tolerating the sins of man. He doesn't drop judgment on them. He waits. And he waits and he waits. And through all the wicked rebellion, God exercises what? His forbearance. His forbearance. I mean, that's some good teaching and preaching right there for parenting. What do we do? We exercise forbearance. You don't always have to drop the judgment down. Think about how God dealt with us. The first time you sinned, God should have gave you what you deserve, but he didn't. He gave you grace. He forbear with you. He didn't drop judgment right down on you. He didn't slam the axe down on you. His forbearance. We can't forget about that. Yes, we're a sinner. Yes, we deserve death. But let us not forget this saving gospel that we preach is a gospel of grace. Grace. If we're, if we're Christians and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, 
not by trying to live a life like him. If we're shaved, shaped, tongue twister, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and through his forbearance of us and tolerating us as sinners, can we tolerate each other? Can we tolerate our children? Can we tolerate our spouse when they don't see or do everything we expect them to do? Or same with our kids. Do we have to drop down the hammer as fast and as hard as we can every single time? Or can we glean some truth from the forbearance of God? Because he didn't drop the hammer down on us. Now there's going to come a day if you die without him, he will. But until that day, he hasn't. He hasn't. I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. All I'm saying is don't forget about the forbearance of God and then work out the details from there. In the Old Testament, leave you this thought. In the Old Testament, they didn't look forward to the cross. People didn't do that. I've heard sermons on, I'm sure you, you have too. You know, in the Old Testament, they looked forward to the cross. Well, nobody did. But I'll tell you who did. You know who looked forward to the cross in the Old Testament? God. God did. And when Abraham, did Abraham uh, bring a sacrifice? Actually, let's back up, up a little bit. Abel. He brought a sacrifice. Bible says by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than who? Than Cain, Hebrews 11. Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof back in Genesis. We all know what happened to Abel. Abel was slain. He didn't do anything wrong. It was innocent blood. You think they were looking forward to the cross? No, but you know who was? God. God was. There's a picture right there of the cross. Cain and Abel weren't looking forward to the cross. Nobody in the Old Testament was looking forward to the cross. But God was looking forward to the cross. He pictured it. He prophesied it. He foreshadowed it. We see it all through the Old Testament. The cross, the cross, the cross. Abraham brings Isaac. Isaac says, Father, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb? Abraham says to his son, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. And you know what happens next? They find a ram in a thicket and a crown of thorns. You think Abraham was looking forward to the cross? No, Abraham wasn't looking forward to the cross. You know who was looking forward to the cross? God. You've got the cross right there. You've got it pictured all throughout the Old Testament. <laughs> Romans 3.25, through faith, through faith, those who believe in what? His blood. Christ's blood was shed as sufficient propitiation for your sins and for mine. It's a blood shedding. Abraham making a sacrifice, any sacrifice we make is wrought by our hands. Any blood sacrifice that we bring to God 
It's insufficient. But when God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what's different about that blood? It's God's. It's God's own blood for you and for me. Praise his holy name. So I ask you, have you accepted what God provided for your sin? For your sin. We're going to look at this last passage again in verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. God spared you. You sinned, but he didn't come down in judgment. You knew you deserved it. That should be crystal, crystal clear proof that God is longing to save you. Crystal clear proof. Of God's forbearance. And the forbearance of God in this verse. Should be as clear as day to you. That God wants all to be saved. He's a patient, forbearing, long-suffering God. Who wants all to come to him. But how shall they hear without a preacher? When we go out there, we're going to preach to him. We're not going to tell them our blood's nothing, because it ain't. We're going to tell them have faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. All right, I'll lead you with this. William Coper, poet and hymn writer. He was a friend of John Newton, who we all know him as author of Amazing Grace. Before his conversion, he suffered severe depression, and he attempted suicide. And he recovered through help of his friend John Newton, actually. He was considered deranged. And he thought that there was no hope at all for him. This whole month, it's about people walking around with no hope, by the way. They have no hope. That's why they're depressed. They're full of anxiety and they're suicidal. Which if you look at all we talked about in Sunday school, all the statistics on this whole gay, lesbian, queer agenda, all of them. Have a, a much, much higher suicidal rate, anxiety, depression rate. Why? They don't have any hope. They're hurting inside. They're deranged. Here's the account of his conversion in his own words. William Coper writes, The happy period which was to shake off my fetters and afford me a clear discovery of the free mercy of God in Christ Jesus was now arrived. I flung myself into a chair near the window and seeing a Bible there, ventured once more to apply to it for comfort and instruction. I guess if you're mentally deranged, suicidal and have anxiety, you just, let's just grab the Bible. That's a good place for people to start nowadays. He says this, the first verse I saw was the 25th of the third chapter of Romans whom God hath sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. That's what he read. Immediately, he says, I receive strength to believe, and the full beam of the sun of righteousness shone upon me. 
I saw the sufficiency of the atonement he had made for my pardon and justification. In a moment, I believe and receive the peace of the gospel. Unless the almighty arm had been under me, I think I should have been overwhelmed with gratitude and joy. My eyes filled with tears. My voice choked with transport. I could only look up to heaven in silent fear, overwhelmed with love and wonder. How glad should I now have been to spend every moment in prayer and thanksgiving. Now, I'd say that's a pretty good cure for anxiety and derangement. <laughs> Getting a hold of the word of God. I'm telling you, this world doesn't have peace. And it can only come through the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us all to bring that message of peace and help them get a bridge that needs to be repaired. That great gulf of sin between them and God. Only Jesus Christ can repair that. May that be our hope and prayer for this lost and dying world. May we not wait. May we not cease, cease this month to bring it out even more fervently. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.